good thing. Everybody glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Say amen. All right. Well, for a minute there, the preacher and I were only two people here. You know, sometimes he says that at the podium. You know, what? Okay. Wednesday night, we were practicing. And after practice, we always pray. Jonathan leads us in prayer. And he said, hey, I think that tonight we need to pray thanks. The Lord has done so much for us. He's been so much blessing us. There has just been so much that he has done. We just need to give him thanks. And, you know, you think about it. And all the things that the Lord has done for us, not only for the church, but for us individually, we need to give him thanks. So, as I am wanting to do, I went to Psalms. Those of you who've heard me read up here before, it's generally from Psalms because I get a lot of inspiration from here. And Psalms 40, it's a praise for answered prayer. I'm going to read the first eight verses. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth. And even praise unto our God, many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done and thy thoughts which are to usward, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Think about that. There's just so many things he's done. Can you sit down and just count them? Sacrifice and offerings thou dost not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offerings and sin offering hast thou not required. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is written in my heart. Is the Lord's law written in your heart this morning? If so, let's go to the Lord in prayer, lift him up, thank him for everything he's done, and for the service today. All pray. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name, Lord, for these things that you have done for us. Lord, for your comings, your goings, helping us to do as you would have us to do. Lord, for the many wonderful blessings you've bestowed upon us. Lord, and for the salvation you gave, not that we deserved it, Lord, but that you made it as a gift unto us, if we would believe. Lord, thank you for that. Lord, as we come before this morning, Lord, thanking you for all of the things you've done, with, with all to help others, and the things that, that you just touch every day, the healing, the comfort that is sent. Lord, we thank you. This morning we ask that you will continue to bless the service, bless our pastor, that he would say the words that you would have him to say, that will lift us up and we can take those words forward this week and establish thy kingdom even greater. For we ask all of this in Jesus' holy, precious name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Uh, we have a special guest with us today. Uh, years ago, uh, I got to serve in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, Zach, if you go ahead and make your way up here and, and uh, Brother Randy will get you set up. Uh, I was a youth pastor in Pennsylvania years ago, uh, back in 2011-ish, something like that. Uh, and uh, two, 
gentlemen that are here today. Uh, I haven't seen him in probably about eight years or so, but uh, Zach was our praise and worship leader there in the youth department there at the church. Uh, he and his sister, uh, his sister Joy, uh, worked with me in the music department there at the church, and they helped lead the youth worship. And uh, Matt, who was with him, came down with them, was our uh, sound and media tech guy uh, that ran the computers and things like that. And so when he came in town this week, I saw he brought his guitar with him uh, in the car, and I heard him in the room the other night uh, singing. And so I told him, I said, well, you sounded really good. I guess you can sing Sunday morning for us at church. So uh, it's like, I hope you didn't think you were coming on vacation and doing nothing. I mean, what's wrong with you? That vacation's not like that. That's not what it's about. So anyway... Uh, I don't know what he's going to sing this morning, but uh, we're just going to uh, give him just a few minutes and let him uh, lead us this morning in uh, a song of worship today. Well, good morning, church. How are we doing? Hey, man. So glad to be here. It's a, it's a blessing to always... Uh, visit old friends and just see where they, they uh, grew up and stomping grounds and all that lovely stuff. Um, just so glad that God's faithfulness um, never ends. Amen. It's always constant through every trial. Um, and uh, just thankful for the opportunity to get away, even from my home church. And so it's good to be here this morning. And um, I'm going to sing a song called Build My Life. And it's just a song that's been kind of on my heart this past couple years and all the things that we've been through as a nation and as a is a country that God uh, constantly, continually calls us by name to represent him. And I, I never want to take that lightly. I know sometimes, some days we get tired and we get frustrated and the flesh likes to rile up. But uh, God is still constant through it all. And uh, this song is just a reminder that to love like he loves, to see like he sees. And uh, that just remember in the, in the back of your mind when you go to serve or whatever you're doing, going to do, going the extra mile, do it unto Jesus because that's what he's, he's provided you with. He's provided grace and mercy, and so the song is just a, a reminder of that. Um, worship along, sing along if you know it. Amen. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath.
stand this morning. Let's sing. The song says, simply just says, I am who you say that I am. And this morning we just want to declare that today, that uh, we serve a risen king. So let's worship the Lord together today.
thankful that you belong to Jesus today, that you belong to the Lord.
just for a moment in the presence of the Lord. This time we are going to dismiss children for Children's Church. Kids, you may go to my right, or to my left, your right, through these double doors, uh, back to Children's Church this morning as they make their way. There's a lot of them today. Goodness gracious. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Just because the kids are leaving for Children's Church doesn't mean we got to stop loving Jesus. Come on, church. Oh, praise the Lord. Isn't it good to see kids wanting to learn about Jesus today? Praise the Lord. Can we just love our kids? Come on. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, Let me just, while they're making their way, make a couple of things mentioned to you this morning. Uh, We are up and running for online giving for the church. There's two ways you can do this. Uh, Obviously, this morning, uh, before you leave, uh, you can, to my right, to my left, uh, here are offering boxes. There's also one by the double doors in the back. You can give your tithes and offering. You can also go to uh, your app store, Google or uh, Apple, and download the tithe.ly uh, and search for Santee Circle Church of God. It takes about 30 seconds. Or you can go to our website that's now up and running, SanteeCircleCOG.org. So we now have an actual church website. You can go check us out, SanteeCircleCOG.org. And on there, it will say give. You can click that button. As soon as it hits that button, it will roll you over automatically into another screen. That will let you pick how much you want to give. It will let you pick every department we have in this church, from youth to children to senior adults to women's ministries to men's ministries to general fund to the tithe fund. You can give to the grass fund. I don't care what you give it to, but there's a whole list in there. You can pick any one you want. And uh, the grass fund means we buy flowers. That's what that means. Uh, And we keep the grass cut. So we have that. Also, we're going to have a work day around here June the 5th from 9 to 12. Uh, 
won't be long, but we have VBS coming up, and we just need to get some things finished up for VBS. We're going to have to really do a really good spring cleaning. We've got the floors in the back. They're already in, and the Children's Church, praise the Lord, they're good. we got to do a little bit more painting, just finishing up that, and then we're ready to move in. And the chairs will be here this week for the children. We've already ordered the chairs. They're coming in. The sound system is in the back of the pastor's car right now as we speak. This I brought down yesterday, and uh, so I've got it with me. Uh, and uh, so we have all that stuff going on. So we want to have a good work day. Clean out the cabinets. Make sure we mop and sweep and get all the dust and stuff ready. So the kids can, after VBS, can move out there. They can have their own place. They can meet. They can greet. They can put decals on the wall. They can do whatever. And they can scream as loud as they want. And we don't hear them. So, yeah, that's good. It's a good day. And uh, so they can have a lot of fun. Also, the first Sunday in June. We're starting back with our Sunday night services, hopefully, as long as everything stays the way it's going. We wanted to start our men's and women's ministries back up, but we also know you are busy people. We know that you have a lot of stuff going on in your world. You can't come every Tuesday, every Thursday, every Wednesday, every Saturday, every Monday. We know that. Some of you watch uh, grandkids. Some of you work full-time jobs. Some of you are more busier than I am, and you're older than I am, and I know that. And so we're trying to make this easy for you. So after talking with the council and myself, we have designated the first Sunday of every month as Family Worship Day. What that means is on Sunday morning of the first Sunday of each month, all the children will be in worship with us in the main sanctuary and we'll have a big worship service together. On Sunday night, we'll have men's and women's Bible study. So that means all your little kids, grandkids, they can come with you. The men will be in the back somewhere. The women will be in the fellowship hall. You'll have your own devotions. You'll have your own meetings. And then when it's all said and done, we will come together and have fellowship night together and eat, you know, have little finger foods or whatever and eat together. So on Sunday, June the 6th at 6 p.m., we are having our first one. So if you can bring, we're not asking you to bring like, you know, you know, roast and potatoes and rice and gravy. But if you want to, I'm not going to complain. But that's not, you, we're just asking if you're coming if you just bring a finger food type item, uh, we'll serve it there. We'll have the, 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 the ladies helping. We'll have gloves. We'll make sure there's not a lot of hands going in it. We'll keep you safe. But if you want to bring chips or you want to bring, you know, little desserts or snacky, snack cakes or whatever, just for us to have a little bit of time to hang out together. Uh, I, I, have, I have missed fellowshipping one with another. I miss that. Uh, I remember when I first came here, we... I think it was like three weeks or something, maybe a month after I got here, we had homecoming. There was more food on that table than I ever seen in my entire life. In fact, I think I, I think my left toe grew three inches that weekend. I think it did. It was so much food. I miss stuff like that. I miss being able to be together. And uh, so we're going to keep you safe. We'll we'll serve it. Also, we're still needing volunteers for Vacation Bible School, which will be June 13th through the 16th. Uh, if you're interested, there's a sign-up sheet or see Sister Jennifer Wyatt. Uh, we've got a lot of people uh, uh, that are willing to help, but we need more. You don't have to do anything major. We're not going to throw you in front of the class and make you teach. We already got people, but we need people who's willing to, you know, make hot dogs in the sense of bagging them up. We need people that are willing to just walk a kid from point A to point B to their next class. We need folks that are willing to, if nothing else, just stand there and sign kids in. We just need you to, we've got all kinds of jobs, and uh, we could use all the help. And you get a free T-shirt out the deal. Can't can't you can't uh, go wrong with that. It's a free T-shirt. Uh, well, it's not really free. I'm paying for it, but it's free to you, so it's still still free. Uh, it's going to cost somebody something, uh, but uh, we're we're excited for it. So 
we can't uh, lift, uh, leave that out. Did everybody have a good Mother's Day last weekend with your family and things like that? Everybody, everybody still got their flower to die. Anybody? Is it still living? I know. I know. I went and saw Sister Faye Huff. Hers was still living. So if yours is dead, you did something wrong. Cause I saw her on Thursday and it looked good. It was blooming better than when I gave it to her. So if yours is dead, you got a dud or you messed it up. So and don't return it. We don't give refunds. That's that's your flower. Uh, but we hope you enjoyed your flower last Sunday as well. Now, are you ready for the word today? Are you ready? I am because I'm getting hungry. So I'm ready to preach so that I can go eat lunch. Uh, I always never eat breakfast on Sunday morning because I always get too, I feel like I'll fall asleep or I'll get lazy. So I don't really eat a lot on Sunday morning. But when service is over, I am ready to go put a dent in somebody's kitchen. So I am ready to eat today. So. I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter number 17. Very familiar passage of Scripture. Those of you joining us online today and uh, on our online campus here online uh, or on Facebook, uh, let me say welcome. We're so glad to have you. Can we just welcome them with a hand of appreciation this morning? Welcome to church today. Uh, we, we're glad you tuned in. You could have tuned in to anybody's church service this morning, but you chose to tune in to Santee Circle this morning, and we are humbled by that. Trust me, uh, we, we don't take that lightly. We appreciate that so much. All right, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain for these years according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward. Hide thyself by the brook of Cherith that is before the Jordan. Verse number 4. And it shall be that thou drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Verse number 5. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and he dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And the ravens, they showed up. They brought him bread and flesh in the morning, bread and flesh in the evening, or meat, some translations say, and he drank the water of the brook. Verse 7, and it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So this morning I want to preach to you on this subject title. Give me bird seed give me bird seed father to the best of my ability help me to preach your word to the people of God it is not because I am anything special or elaborate but it's because I stand as a willing vessel to be used by the Holy Ghost this morning I have men and women's women and men who stand before me whose attention I have the privilege to hold captive for the next few moments. But God, I don't want it to be because I have persuasive words or I have some eloquent speech. But I want them to hear exactly the word of the Lord to be declared into their life and heart. So they leave this place 
God having the word of the Lord going before them in this house. I need your word to speak today. I don't need to be seen. I need you to be seen. Because when they leave this place, if I give them just mere words, it will not sustain them. But the bread of life that comes down from the portals of heaven will sustain them today. So, Father, let this bread be relevant and life-changing. And let us feast today at your table. In Christ Jesus, we pray and ask these things. And the people of God said, Amen and Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen today. Give me bird seed. Give me bird seed. You see, this narrative is a really interesting story you're going to find here in the Bible. You see, at the end of 1 Kings chapter 16, we meet a man. In 1 Kings chapter 16, it lists the lineage of the various kings of Israel. At the end of 1 Kings chapter 16, we come into meeting a king by the name of Ahab. Ahab is a wicked man. In fact, the Bible, if you study the history of Ahab, the Bible actually will say that Ahab was the wicked, one of the most wicked kings of all of Israel. He was one of the worst of the worst. In fact, Ahab was so wicked that he ended up falling in love with a daughter, a princess of the king of the daughter of the king of the Sidians, whose name was Jezebel. Jezebel was more wicked than her husband Ahab was. In fact, Jezebel was the one that you will read later in 1 Kings chapter 18 and following. She gets a witch hunt, if you will, for the people of God, and she wants to kill all the prophets that proclaim Jesus Christ rather than the prophets of Baal. She's a wicked woman. Ahab comes to power. We don't hear about Elijah until 1 Kings chapter 17, but it's so interesting, it's as if Elijah just literally falls out the sky. Nobody knows anything about this preacher. I mean, he's a preacher, I mean, we know that, he's a prophet of God. But, but we also understand that there is so much wickedness going on in the day and hour. There was treacherous behavior of idol worship and idolatry with the, with the rise of the god Baal. We also know that this story is filled with spiritual apostasy where people have fallen away from their first love of Christ and of God and have started following the ways of the world. Can I tell you, we are living in a day of spiritual apostasy. There's a lot of people who have lost their first love of Jesus Christ and, and the Son of the living God and have started worshiping the idols of Baal. I'm not talking about a little statue, but they're worshiping their jobs, they're worshiping their careers, they're worshiping sports, they're worshiping all kinds of other worldly things, their money, their possessions, and they've lost their first love. In fact, Jesus said, according to the book of Revelation, and one of the churches in, in, in Revelation, he said, you have lost your first love. You don't love me anymore. You love everything else but me. This is what's going on in that world. In the midst of spiritual and moral decline, the lives of God's people, in, in turmoil, God still had one man. That was listening to the voice of the Lord. But this prophet falls out of nowhere. You see, a lot of these guys, we get to know their history. It'll tell you that so-and-so was the father of so-and-so. It'll tell you so-and-so begot so-and-so, begot so-and-so, begot so-and-so. 
A lot of people in the Bible, the most famous people, you know who their daddy was. You know who their mama was. You know a lot about them. Elijah, we know nothing other than the scripture starts out, Elijah the Tishbite. We know he's the Tishbite. Don't really know much more about it. Don't know who his daddy is. So we can't assume because we don't know. But but more than likely, his daddy wasn't a famous television preacher because nobody mentioned his daddy. Hello. (laughs) Just because other people have a name doesn't mean the anointing follows them. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching a lot better than you're shouting this morning, and you know it. So daddy's not a famous guy here. He doesn't even get mentioned in the whole Bible, so daddy must not be too famous. But daddy had to be someone pretty special because Elijah knew how to hear the word of the Lord. So you know how a child learns how to hear the voice of the Lord? Somebody had to teach him how to hear the voice of the Lord. So Elijah comes out. He's a Tishbite. We know nothing about him. know nothing about his family. We know that Elijah was a preacher. He was a prophet. We don't know much about his training. We don't know if he went and got a Ph.D. and biblical hermeneutics or in biblical languages. We don't know if he's well-versed in Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. We don't know his, his pedigree. We don't know what his resume is. In fact, more than likely, he more than likely was just a good old Joe. <laughs> he didn't probably have a Ph.D. in biblical languages. He just knew how, to, knew how to pray and hear the language of God, and he just said what God said. Sometimes I think people have gotten more educational than they've gotten spiritual. They got a Ph.D. in hermeneutics, a Ph.D. in theology, a Ph.D. in biblical language, a Ph.D. in pneumatology. They've got a Ph.D. in all these ologies. They just forgot how to have spirituality in it. You can have a Ph.D. all you want to, but if you don't know how to hear the voice of the Lord, you just got a piece of paper in a box. Come on, somebody. You can put any doctorate degree you want to on a wall. That's a piece of paper. Just because you got a piece of paper on a wall don't mean you've heard from God. In fact, some of the most anointed people I've ever met in my life barely had a high school education, much less a Ph.D. on the wall. Come on. So he shows up out of nowhere. In fact, the Apostle James actually tells us that Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we. Meaning this guy was a normal dude. This wasn't some super spiritual dude. This was a normal dude. He got angry. He was a common man who had common infirmities. He had a natural temper. He was a strong man. I mean, we know he gets mad. We see, we see it throughout Scripture. The times when he got frustrated. In fact, right after this story we're going to talk about today, he goes over and begins to... Rise up, and after the the, uh, the as the drought is in the middle of this drought, and they're in the middle of this drought, we're going to be talking about today in chapter 18. When you go home, you can read about it. He he challenges 850 prophets of Baal. He tells them, "Let's go to the mountain. Let's have a shindig. I dare you. Let's go pray and see which God answers today." I mean, this man's got some some gall about him. I mean, this man doesn't play. And we know you know the story and how he the Lord answered by fire, but. This man is comes out of nowhere. His name is so unique. His name literally means my God is God. That's what Elijah literally means. My God is he or God is God. Can I, if I give you nothing else, no, if you don't remember any points that I tell you today, I want to tell you one thing today. 
God is still God. That's all you need me to tell you today. I could shut my Bible and walk out of here today. You came to church and you say, well, Pastor, I came for a word of the Lord. I just gave you a word of the Lord. Let's shut it up and go home. God is still God. That's all you needed to hear today. Because Elijah's name literally means God is here. God is still God. That means no matter what COVID-19 does, no matter what Joe Biden does, no matter what Nancy Pelosi does, no matter what Chuck Schumer does, no matter what the Republicans do, no matter what the Green Party does or the Tea Party, no matter what the White House does, no matter what Monks Corner, South Carolina does, no matter what the church across town is doing, no matter what the pastor with the latest and greatest music or the hippest dressed uh, uh, praise team, no matter what everybody else is doing, I came by 1211 North Highway 52 to tell somebody today, I don't care what they're doing, I came to tell you God is still God today. That's God. God is still God. And I love how we in the old church used to sing, God is God and God won't ever change. Of course, if you didn't have that education, you would change that word out because see, all the educated people would sing, God won't ever change. I went to a church one time, and a little country church in the backside of a cow pasture, and uh, they started singing the song, and they started making up words I didn't know because I thought, wait, that ain't right. Because they, they used, and I learned in English, you're never supposed to use a double negative. You know, you ain't supposed to use, you know, two, two negatives in the same sense. And they, they butchered that song, but boy, it was annoying when they sang it. Because they sang, uh, uh, God is God, and God don't never change. Don't never. That is not good English, but boy, it'll make you shout around the building, I promise you. They may not be English, but the Holy Ghost will get in you when God don't never change. I can tell you. And and I'm gonna be honest with you, they weren't the same they weren't the same skin color as the preacher. I'm just gonna let you know. I was I was a misfit, but they were they had no music, they had high heels, and them sisters could just start clapping and clicking those heels on those hardwood floors and they'd start singing mm-hmm. Mm, they'd sing, God is God, and God don't never change. And they'd start just shaking the tambourines. They'd start clicking the high heels. And I thought, I don't care if that's English or not. Something's going on in this building. I like this song. And we sang that song till we were blue in the face. But I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost swept through the, the building, and we felt the Shekinah glory presence of the Lord. I don't care if it's politically correct or not. I don't care if it's English. I'm telling you, God don't never change. God don't never change. I'm going to serve the God that never changes. So God is God. So we understand today, first and foremost, that there's a proclamation that goes out. Elijah tells in 1 Kings 17 verse 1, he gives a declaration to Ahab right off the bat. Now Elisha the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord your God lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Now, if you go look back at how many years that was, it was three and a half years of a drought. Three and a half years. We know three in the number of biblical numerology has a, has a divine uh, uh, number to it because it relates to harmony or completeness. The divine trinity is three parts, Father, Son, and Spirit. Completeness, wholeness, and harmony. Three years, three and a half years, no rain. But I want to caution you this morning before you overread or you don't read enough of this text today. Notice what Elijah said though. As the Lord your God, as declares the Lord your God in whom I stand before you today. Don't miss as he says, as the Lord God of Israel lives. 
See, the problem with the world we live in today, there's a lot of people going around trying to pass off that God said when God did not say. Hello. A lot of people like to validate their prophesy, because you know the difference between a prophecy and a prophesy? One comes true, one does not. There's not a lot of prophets, but there's a lot of prophesying going on, I can promise you that. See, I'm one of those preachers, I am very cautious and careful. Now, you say, well, Pastor, I've never really heard you like interpret speaking in tongues or do that before. Listen, I am very cautious. I'm going to know that I know that I know that I know it's God before I try to make up something that ain't really there. Now, you can judge me all you want to, but I ain't never going to say, God said, and I don't know for sure God said. Because I know too many people, God said, but ain't that prophecy that they gave, it's still holding on. It ain't happened yet, so I don't know how long God said it, but it's been a while since he said it. So uh, I just want you to know. But he said, as the Lord your God lives, or as the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand today. A lot of people like to validate their claim, but Elijah could say that because he had been with God. He had been in the prayer closet. He had been, he had isolated. Elijah was a man, he knew God could answer it because he had heard God speak before. You see, the rain represents refreshment, delight, new growth, new beginnings. You plant something in the ground, don't water it and see what happens. It's going to die. Rain, water, helps it to grow. It helps it to be, be able to spring forth life and be refreshed and delighted and begin its life cycle. Rain is also, it throughout Scripture, symbolic representation of the Holy Spirit. And it brings that same connotation of the Holy Spirit. In fact, years ago, we used to sing at my dad's church years ago, there was a, a praise course that they used to sing, said, Holy Spirit, rain down. Let your power fall, let your voice be heard, come and change our hearts as we stand on your word, Holy Spirit, rain down. That word rain, we, the, the idea behind it was for the Spirit of God to saturate our lives, to, to literally come and invade the the presence and the and the and the area that which we, which we stood, he want, we wanted the Holy Spirit to come in a powerful way. I, w- I I would be remiss if I did not tell you that we still are today living in this age of spiritual apostasy and living in a day where people don't have the same desire for the Lord like they used to. If you don't believe it, look at church's attendance coming back after COVID. Oh, Pastor, now it's comfortable for me just sit at home. My my corn rollers in my head, my frosted flakes in my bowl, and my Scooby-Doo pajama pants is a whole lot more comfortable than me having to get dressed for church, preacher. Oh, come on, help us, Jesus. Lord, I I just decide, I feel like I just started doing a eulogy. Everybody got quiet all of a sudden. Funerals is about the most quiet place you'll ever go. But my Bible says, don't forsake the assemblings of yourselves as in the manner of some, but come together in exhortation one with another. Now, now that, that's not my writing. That was what God said. You see, there's a lot of people living in, they've lost their first love for church, for God. I would like to sit here and tell you that as a spirit-filled Pentecostal preacher that that Everything's going great, but can I tell you that even within the Pentecostal denominational circuits, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is being under scrutiny. There are preachers preaching today in Pentecostal churches that the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues is not necessarily relevant, real, necessary, or actually accurate. In Pentecostal circuits, y'all, 
we profess that's like that's like our calling card. That's our moniker. And we're like, uh, we're not so sure about that. Come on, y'all. It's under attack and scrutiny. You see, I would like to tell you that we're living in an age of spiritual refreshing, but I'd like to say, as more of a word of challenge and caution, I believe we're actually living in a day of spiritual drought, is what we're living in. Spiritual drought. You see, I don't think we can afford much longer of this drought. We've got filled sanctuaries that used to be filled, but now are semi-filled, packed with dry, empty vessels. I want to just tell you, we don't need one more program. We don't need one more song. We don't even need one more good message from the preacher. We don't need one more bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, great idea. What we need is one more touch and outpouring of the Holy Ghost, and it'll fix this mess in a hurry. One time. Bam. It'll fix it. You see, we're one in faith. Second Chronicles 7, 13 and 14 says this. If I shut up the heavens and there is no rain, drought, if I command the locusts to devour the land, right before COVID hit, millions of crops were lost in Africa due to a locust invasion. If I send pestilence among my people, if you go look Webster's, Merriam-Webster's Dictionary of Pestilence, it says a global deadly disease. Do you know what COVID is? A global deadly disease. So look at what he said thousands of years ago. If I shut up the heavens and there's no rain, drought, that we just talked about. If I command the locusts to eat all the crops, Africa. If I send a global pandemic on the world, bam. But if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. We can fix this COVID mess if we turn ourselves back over to God. Zechariah 14:17, And it will be that whichever of the families of the earth does not go up to Jerusalem and worship the king, there will be no rain on them. Leviticus 26 and 4, Then I will give them rain in due season. The land will yield her increase, and the trees of the field shall bear fruit again. Can I tell you that if you came by this property today, maybe you're dry in spirit, maybe you feel spiritually you're in a trial, but I've come by to tell you it will rain again. If you just hold on to God and you seek the face of God, I don't know what's going on in your family, don't know what's going on in your marriage, don't know what's going on in your job, don't know what's going on with your children or your grandchildren, or even even in the church sometimes. But I can tell you because the word of God said not one dot, not one tittle would pass away for his word to be accomplished. God said it would rain again in the last days. Saith the Lord, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Old men dream dreams. Young men see visions. Even on the male servants and maids, sir, it will rain again. It will rain again. But then we know that there's also protection. Because Elijah knows he's in trouble once he tells Ahab, there's not going to rain, there's not going to be a drought, and until I come back, you're going to be in a mess. So the word of the Lord came to Elijah and it said, run away. Well, some translations will say, get thee away. Go run away. Go eastward and sit by a brook called Cherith. He is protecting Elijah. He's saying, get out of harm's way, son. Can I tell you that if you stay close to God, God can keep you from bad stuff. 
People say, well, Pastor, I thought, man, why does bad stuff happen to good people? Well, I don't know, but I can tell you that when you're with God, God lets a whole lot less happen to you than could happen to you. I can promise you. He who dwells in the secret place of the Almighty shall abide under, I mean, he who dwells in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I'm here to tell you that he is a shield and a buckler. He is a defender. Jesus even said, as a mother hen brings her brood of chicks underneath her, so the Heavenly Father wants to bring you as his pinions underneath him and be able to protect you. If you trust the hand of the Lord, the devil might try to come at you, but I'm here to proclaim to you that he still can't cross the bloodline. You put the blood over the doorpost of your heart and you say, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Greater is he that lives in me than he that is in the world. And you apply the blood of Jesus to your situation. You start pleading the blood. Start pleading the blood. Start pleading the blood. I'm telling you, God will protect you in this hour. You don't believe it? Watch this. How many of you have had COVID this year? Raise your hand. Everybody. Actually do this. Stand up if you've had COVID. At all. Just stand up. Uh Uh-huh. Y'all know how many thousands of people have died? Come on, somebody. Help the preacher out before I run here by myself. You know how many people died? Y'all want to know how many people died in our church from COVID? Anybody? You don't think God will protect his people if you trust him? Come on, somebody. Some of y'all might have had some scares. Some of it might have got touch and go. Some of you might have thought you were dying. But I'm here to tell you that as Elisa of right now, now I can't help what happens tomorrow, but I'm telling you as of May 16, 2021, God spared you long enough because you're still here. So you've been protected by the almighty hand of the Lord. You've got a right to give God praise in this house today. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. God will protect his people. See, that word cherith means a cutting or a separation. Hebrews 4 and 12 tells me, For the word of God is living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the joint and the marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intents of the heart. Sometimes God has to do spiritual surgery on us sometimes. I told you the brook cherith means a place of cutting or a place of separation. When you go into surgery, they put you under the old proverbial line. They put you under the knife. They cut you. They have to get you fixed up. So when God sent Elijah to the brook, not only was he providing for him, but he was protecting him. Him by separating him from the chaos in the world. Sometimes God just needs to get you separated from the world so that he can perform some spiritual surgery on you. See, God sometimes puts us in valleys so we can be separated from the world. He likes to let us be cut by his words so that he can help give us a different mindset. And we bleed to understand our need of a Savior, Redeemer, and Healer. You see, God never intended for you to stay in valleys. But he sometimes puts you in the valleys to prepare you for your next greatest victory. Elijah would not have been ready to take on the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel if he had never been in a valley. Because you don't know how to pray fervently if you've never been in a valley to have to learn how to pray fervently. It sounds all well and good to go stand on Mount Carmel and call fire down from heaven, but if you're not sure that it's going to happen, then that's a dangerous task to be putting on the table. But if you've been in the valley and you've had to do nothing but pray to God, 
Then when the time comes, you have confidence because he who began a good work is faithful to complete it to the very end. I can't tell you how many people in the last year that I have talked to have said to me, said, Pastor, said, I am more closer to God now than I have ever been in my entire life because being in isolation and being quarantined, all I had was the word of the Lord and I had to pray and plead the blood over my house and over my family. I can't tell you how many people, I'm not here to tell you that, that, that I enjoyed being in quarantine, but if quarantining did anything and it helped other people draw closer to God, praise God. God for quarantining because we need more people that have more of a mindset of Jesus Christ and more of a prayer life and more of a powerful prayer life. Not just now lay me down to sleep, let's go home and get something to eat kind of prayers. I'm talking about people who can pray fire down from heaven. I'm talking about people that you walk in and you say I don't feel good. They say in the name of Jesus I declare healing in your body and some liquid lava from heaven touches your belly and it settles. Or somebody says my hands bother me and somebody anoints and that thing goes back into subjection under the power of God somebody walks in and says pastor I've got a test coming up they say I may have cancer they say I may be facing some surgery and you walk in there and they say wait a minute hold up wait a minute we thought we saw something on that MRI we thought we saw something on that x-ray we saw we saw but we don't see it there anymore no it's not because they misread it it's because somebody got a prayer through to God so he goes to the brook of Cherith and God sends provision. Now you have to understand what I'm about to tell you. And I'm about to shout before I even preach this part of the sermon. I almost just want to run and let y'all just go ahead and finish the sermon on your own. Because the book of Cherith, if you study it out, it was known as being a seasonal stream. It was known for drying up. The Bible says be ready in season and out of seasons. You know what I love about seasons? They come and they go. It might be snowy, but eventually flowers bloom. It might be dark, but eventually daylight savings kicks back in. It might be smoldering hot, but eventually the autumn wind's going to change and the leaves are going to change to a beautiful multicolored facade like a canvas painted by God himself and a nice brisk wind will come through and bring us a little bit of cooler weather. I just told somebody last week and I said, I don't know who made Summer mad, but I'm so glad they made her mad because last weekend was only 70, or this past weekend too, was only 70 degrees. I can't tell you the last time in the middle of May I didn't have to, I felt like I could wear long sleeves or just wear nice clothes. I'm normally out there fanning the flame, sweating, getting out the shower in the middle of May and it's only 70 degrees outside whoever made summer mad tell her thank you go high five her and make her mad more often but the reality of it is this seasons come seasons go the book was seasonal because God doesn't want you to sit places long enough and get complacent he needs you to be constantly on the move Go ye therefore in all nations, teaching them all that I have commanded you, and baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. God doesn't want you to stay seated. He wants you to get up and go. Hello. Well, Pastor, I come to church just to get a good word and go home. No, you came to church to get a good word, to go out in the highways and byways and compel somebody else to come know Jesus Christ. That's what you come to church for. Not to get a good word. You come to get ready and equipped and empowered to go reach the world for Jesus. It was seasonal. So God had to send provisions. But can I tell you that today's complacency, if not careful, will lead to tomorrow's captivity. Because if you get complacent long enough, eventually the enemy will let you become captive to your situation. I went to La Hundley yesterday. 
And they were talking about when they would bring the ships into Charleston and they would create a blockade. And what they would do is they would line them up, but every day or so they would shift the ships in different places. Because what the enemy would do is they would watch where the ships were sitting. And if they sat there too long, they would find out where the gaps were and they would wait for the tide to turn and they would do what that's called known as shooting the gap. They would get in the boat and they would ride the tide right between them because ships back then were so hard to just turn around. They would be hard to catch them. They could just shoot the gap and go right through and get their provisions out to where they needed to get them. So the enemy would always change literally about every day or two their positioning so that the, the, the other enemy could not plot their scheme of how to get out from the blockade. See, what I'm here to tell you is if they would have just sat there and waited, if the enemy out at sea would have just sat there and waited, the enemy on land would have just kept going right on past them because they would have, they'd have got out. God doesn't intend for you to sit around and just be complacent. God wants you to constantly be moving. Do you know what happens to water that doesn't move? You know what happens to stagnant water? Things die. Things die. Some people have been stagnant for a long time in church. Hello, preacher. Some folks come to church with stagnant praise. God, don't help me go here today. But I'm going. I'm going I'm going out of town on Thursday to take Micah, so you can't find me. I'll be good. Praise Jesus. Some people come to church, they don't even know how to praise God anymore because they've been stagnant too long. Hello. They don't know how to lift their hands because they ain't lifted in so long. The arthritis would say it in it, break their arm trying to get up in the air. Come on. They don't know how to say, man, hallelujah, glory to God, sing a song, because just saying it one time, give them laryngitis because their vocal cords didn't know they still worked. Hello. God, I need you to do a work. I ain't going to say nothing about you, but I want you to do a good work in my family. Well, you ever thought about just giving him a little bit of praise and see what he does with that? Hello. I told the praise team on Wednesday night, I said, guys, we always are praying for stuff, praying for this. But we all, God knows we always have needs. The Bible said he knows the needs before I even asked for them. He knows what I have need of. But I also said, then why don't we tonight just try thanking him for a change? Just don't even pray. He already knows. Let's just, let's just have a time of thanking the Lord. If you praise the Lord more than you worried about your problems, you might figure out your praise will get you out your problem. Come on. God sends ravens. That's a unique bird to send. He didn't send these nice, beautiful, white-colored doves just so peacefully fluttering in, bringing... He brought ravens. Black, odious... Curled beak, scavenger, ravens. Ravens are scavengers. You know what scavengers eat? Dead stuff. They wait till you hit that possum on the road. They watch you drive by, and they're like, dinner is served. They eat those ravens like it's going out. I mean, those ravens come down and like filet mignon of the road. I love this. They're scavengers. Dead meat, rotten meat. Edgar Allan Poe, when he wrote, he actually used ravens because in literature, ravens were to be a sign of bad omens, odious, bad omens. And if you saw a raven, it was like a black bird of any sort. That was like a bad sign. But do you actually know what ravens originally represented? They are a talking bird. And because they're a talking bird, their original intent was to represent wisdom and prophecy. But over years, they started getting a bad rap for being scavengers and things like that. So God actually sent something that had a bad rap <laughs> to church. Come on, somebody. Follow what I'm saying today. God sent a bird that had a bad reputation to the preacher, <laughs> to church. Because what God knew is 
what everybody else thinks about the bad reputation, God knew what he originally intended them to be. The raven wasn't intended to be the bad omen. It was supposed to be the sign of prophecy and wisdom. So when God sends us all these weird looking and crazy people, we think, oh, those people, they come into our church. God sent them because God knows what they can be, not what they are right now. So when God sends us all the, the, all the sinners, and everybody's like, ooh, perhaps we're getting a lot of sinners coming to church. Praise God because God's sending them to what they can be rather than leaving them where they are right now. And the ravens, they also eat dead meat. So they don't have a problem bringing meat. Hello. Because they're not turned off by meat. So what happens is, God not only sent something with a bad reputation, but actually meant prophecy, so he was actually sending a word of the Lord to, to Elijah. He sent something with a bad reputation, black. Anybody know what sin is equated to? Black. <laughs> so he sent sin, black, bad reputation, bad home life, bad marriage, bad finances, just a mess. Dead thing. A bird that eats nothing but dead things. A nasty bird. He sends sin, sickened, blackened heart, dead, eaten, rotten flesh bird to church. Because the preacher is sitting by the brook of Cherith. The Bible said, out of your belly will flow rivers. Brook is a river. Rivers of living water. So the dead, rotten, eaten, sin, sickened flesh nasty bird brings provision to the man of God sitting by the brook that is the river of life sustaining life so God used dead things rotten things bad things because what the enemy means for evil bad God will turn it around for good so while I'm sitting over here in my doldrums oh God my life is so bad you might should be looking for some bird seed to come by and hope that the good Lord walks by and says, Hey, I got some bird seed for you. How about you start feeding some ravens for a change? How about you start calling the birds in for a change? Everybody ever needs some bird seed here this morning? Because I want you to remember something. Have some bird seed. Call some ravens sometime. Call some ravens sometimes. Call some birds in your house sometime. Why? Because what God, what the enemy means for evil, God means for good. Go home and feed the birds today. Go home and tell the birds of the air. When you wake up in the morning, when you wake up in the morning and you hear those birds chirping, don't be like, oh my gosh, they're waking me up again. No, maybe God's sending you a word today. He brought a bird by to tell you he's still there. So these rotten ravens come by and bring a word. And then God has a purpose. He knows what he's doing. I mean, he knows what he's doing. Because he knew there was a widow in Zarephath who needed a word. Because she had lost her husband and her son was about to die. And she was about to face the most difficult day in her life. And she needed a preacher who had been with God. And heard from God so that when she came to church that Sunday, proverbially speaking, she heard from God. So the man of God had to isolate himself. And even though nobody else saw all the bad stuff he had to deal with, because he was willing to be fed by the birds, give me bird seed, he would then be able to leave that place. The Bible said the brook dried up. And God said, now you're ready, son. You've been through a season of testing. You've been through a season of faith and trial. Now I need you to go up to Zarephath. I have provided for you. 
The Bible says, when I am tempted in all manner, God will provide a way of an escape for me. The Bible says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed beg for. That means God provides. My God shall supply some of my needs. All of my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. That means if God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, I don't have to worry about it. Guess what? We're having T-bone steaks tonight, church, because God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I'm having the best of the best because God doesn't want me to be second rate. He wants me to be first rate because I don't serve a dead God. I don't serve a second rate God. I don't serve an irrelevant God, but I serve a God who's number one. He's been top dog since the day he founded the earth. I serve a God that sits high above the heavens. The waters are his footstool. I serve a God that can hold the waters in the the palm of his hand. I serve a God that the galaxies, he knows every star by name. There are millions of them, but he knows every one of them by name. So if God can do that, I know God can do what I need today. So I began to think, as we get ready to close, every one of us, God has put deposited a seed inside of us. We all have been deposited seeds inside of us. Whether it's our destiny, our purpose, our plans. We've all been deposited seeds inside of us. I have learned a long time ago. I have had, I absolutely, as Miss Carol makes her way. I absolutely have a 0% chance of growing anything very long. And it live. I can look at it and it goes, I'm dying. I ain't got time for you. I mean, I literally have planted things that were green. And it looked at me and said, I'd rather die than hang out with you. I mean, literally, it just dies. I mean, I'm looking at it. It just goes, pfft. Right there. I mean, I'm like, how does it die so fast? I have a beautiful yard. I'm always like going out there. Y'all think I'm crazy. Y'all think the pastor's crazy. I go out in my yard and I pray that things don't die. Like, I'm not kidding, y'all. Like, I got a couple lemon trees and an orange tree and a blueberry bush and some other things. I'm out there. God, I don't even know how to take care of these things. Please don't let this thing die. It is really pretty. I'm just waiting for me to kill it. Like, don't let it die. But I understand something. I did learn something in school about seeds. In order for a seed to work, you have to have dirt. Dirt, y'all. Y'all know what color dirt is? Black, brown, dark. Most seeds ain't gonna work in clay dirt. Now, hello, cactus. How many of y'all want to be prickly and pointy and a jerk to people? <laughs> I don't know anybody that's like, I love being a cactus, preacher. <laughs> No, we hope that you don't become a cactus. We like the flower, but we don't like your sharpness. We'd like for you to stay home like that. But good flowers got to have dark dirt. You just throw the seed on top of the dirt and let it do its thing? No, 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 no. You dig a hole. You put that seed way down in the dirt. Then you know what you do with the dirt you just dug up? Whoosh. Some of us in life have been covered up with a lot of dirt by the devil. Remember when I talked about Samson? The, the enemies up there having a party. What they don't know is what they thought they were doing. They were actually hiding Samson in the dungeon so his hair could grow out. So while they're up there partying, the devil actually incubated the man of God so that God could bring him out for a bigger victory. Some of us have been through some bad dirt. But seeds take dirt to work. And when you've had enough dirt on your life, what the devil thinks he's doing is harming you. What he's really doing is incubating the seed so that God can let you spring forth and prove you're wrong. Because that dirt helps the plant get strong because it's got to push through the dirt and the roots have to grab hold so it helps this plant strengthen. And I thought about this the other day. <laughs> Lord, help me today. 
When the FBI trains people in their money laundering department and counterfeit bills and fraud department to recognize fake money, they don't print fake money. They don't. What they do is they hand them real bills, real authentic bills, and make them keep feeling it for days and days and days. Just keep feeling real money. All they do is literally sit in their bar offices and literally feel money day after day after day after day after day. The real money now. Then what happens is they send them out. No fake money at all. Send them out. They were asked one time, somebody asked one time, one of the guys that worked in that department, said, why do y'all give, if you're trying to teach them how to catch counterfeit money, why is it that you give them real money only? Why do you always give them real money if you're trying to catch fake money? counterfeit money he said because when we give them fake money they'll recognize it he said how do you figure y'all never let them touch fake money they've all they've touched is real so how do you know they're going to recognize it he said because they've touched the real this was his quote they've touched the real long enough that when they feel the fake, when they when they actually have been given fake money, they'll be able to recognize the difference because the touch won't feel the same. Can I tell you that when you've actually really been touched by God, you'll know when it's different. Because when you've touched the real thing, the fake won't feel the same. They hand them real money time after time after time and then send them out because they say if you touch the real long enough, you'll be able to recognize the fake when you touch it. Can I tell you, I wish to the good Lord that the church of the living God throughout this world and United States and America would get a hold of God and touch the Holy Ghost so much that they would recognize when the fake is happening in church, when the when the uh, fake is happening in the world, because they've been with God so much that when something happens, they can be like, that's not the real spirit, that's not the real Holy Ghost, that's not the real God, because they have touched the real so much and so long, they can spot the counterfeit Christianity. But you know what my fear is? The opposite. I feel like the world has done its job and the church has failed at its job because I think, and I'm not talking about specific churches, I'm talking about just universal churches. There's a lot of church out there that have allowed people to feel the fake so long that they actually don't recognize it when the real is in the building. There's a lot of places you can go and you think, oh, wasn't it good? I've been to church. No, you went to an emotional roller coaster event. That's what you did. You went to an emotional roller coaster of worship. An emotional roller coaster, a good motivational pep talk speech. You didn't go to church. You went to a, a, a feel-good seminar is what you went to. We as a church, I'm not talking about this property. I'm talking about universally. We as a church have, have given the world so much fake that nobody, including the church, half the time recognizes when the real is in there versus when the fake is in there. It would behoove us as the church of the living God to get back to touching the real so much. Having the Holy Ghost move so much. Having the Spirit of God. so It would behoove us to have so much real so that when the fake walks in, we can say, we know that Spirit. We can recognize that Spirit coming in the door. That's not of God because this is what the Word of the Lord declares and this is of God. So I say to you this morning as we close. Do you want bird seed today? I do. 
No, not the physical bird seed I handed you today. But I want the Lord to feed me even if he has to use things that don't make sense. Like these ravens over here. Even when it doesn't make sense. I want him to feed me. Do you? Do you want the Spirit of the Lord to feed you? With your head bowed and your eyes closed, I'm going to simply ask you this. Do you have a need today? Do you have a need in your life today? I'm going to do something a little different due to the hour that we're in. But if you say, Pastor, this message was for me. I need the Lord to come by and provide for me. Give me a little bit of spiritual bird seed. Just bring me something from the Lord. I want you, wherever you are, to stand wherever you are. Wherever you are. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's looking at me and Jesus. If, that, if you say, Pastor, I need something from the Lord today, I just want you to stand. You ain't got to come up. Just stand. Stand wherever you are. Because I want to pray for you today because I want you to know God is still in the ability of giving you more than you need. Would everyone please stand at this moment so that we would, all parties would feel comfortable today. Father, you are a good God. To the best of my ability, I have preached your word unequivocally, unashamedly, trying to bring glory and honor to you. Let this word resonate, marinate, saturate the hearts of your people. Let us leave this place saying, God, I want more of you. Give us bird seed. Feed us from the portals of heaven. Give us more than we could ever ask or think. Father, as we get ready to disembark from this place and go to and fro our destination, may you go before us. May you lead, guide, and protect us in all that we do. Father, may the word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, my God and my Redeemer. Father, I pray that you would bless us and keep us and may you make your face shine upon us. Be gracious to us and lift up your countenance and give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. And God, our hearts to your glorious return. And as the church remains in a spirit embodiment of prayer, I'm going to ask Brother Randy Ertzberger to so kindly pray our benedictory prayer. And immediately following it, you are dismissed from church today. We will see you next week. God bless you. Brother Randy, would you to close us in prayer today?